0: Today we begin a new teaching series called The Ghost. I want to spend four weeks with you talking about the ghost or otherwise known as the Holy Spirit. If you grew up or understand King James language, ghost or the Holy Ghost is very common. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, whenever I heard about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, it kind of weirded me out. I was like, what are they talking about? I mean, I understood God the Father because I have a Father. i go, going, can I make a connection there? I understood God the Son, Jesus. I mean, we've all seen the pictures, white robe, blue sash, brown flowing hair, beautiful Jesus. So I was like, okay, I can make that connection. And then there's this thing about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And I was like, what is that? I'm not really sure about what that was. Whenever I heard about a church that was filled with the Holy Ghost... I always thought they were kind of like the weird, crazy ones. Maybe some of you grew up that way. You're like, I was one of those weird, crazy ones. I always pictured people like with long hair that was twisted up in buns, wearing long dresses, snake handling, speaking weird languages, just seemed very foreign to me. We're like, those are those people over there, and let's keep them over there. It was just an odd thing. And so we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Ghost just seemed really unusual and very, very far out there. And maybe some of you in this room have had similar experiences. You're like, yeah, I've heard of those Holy Spirit churches. I've heard of the snake-handling churches. I've heard of the Holy Rollers rolling up and down. I hear speaking in tongues, but that just kind of freaks me out. I believe, in my opinion, I believe it's led us uh, to a pendulum swing when it comes to the Holy Spirit. See, what happens in all kinds of ministries or in churches, when we go so far in one way and we're like, okay, that's a little over, over the board and, and out of control, then the pendulum usually will swing all the way back the other way where it gets so out of balance the other way that we just don't talk about it. We underemphasize an issue. And so when it comes to the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, at one time there was this overemphasis that everything's about the Holy Spirit. Everything's about the Holy Ghost. You got to go Holy Ghost church. Holy Ghost will do this. Holy Spirit will do this. Holy Spirit will do that. Oh, you got you need a Holy Spirit. You need a Holy Spirit. And I know there's a few of you in, in this church that are like, Brian, we need more Holy Spirit. We need more Holy Spirit. Brian, we need just a, a little bit more Holy Spirit. And there's some of you like, dude, we're good. <laughs> I've got enough of the Spirit. <laughs> I don't I don't need understand any more of it. I mean, I understand there's a Spirit, but... I'm good. And, and probably the, the far, far more common problem, though, is the underemphasis Because we freak out, we're like, what's the spirit thing? It's a ghost. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. And so we're like, let's just not talk about it. And if we don't talk about it, then that's good. It's kind of like, you know, the kind of weird cousin Eddie who no one wants to talk about. <laughs> I mean, he's there, but let's not uh, engage with him. It, it's because I don't understand it. I mean, I understand the Trinity. I know there is God. I I know there's the Father, the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. But when you think about the Holy Spirit, usually those are the weird people over there. And so I don't want to do an overemphasis, but I don't want to do an underemphasis. I think there's a good balance right in the middle that we can learn together over the next few weeks. I I want to get a biblical understanding of who exactly is the Holy Spirit And what does he do in the life of a believer? We're going to start in John chapter 14. So turn your Bibles to John chapter 14 this morning. We're going to look at some of the words of Jesus to build a foundational understanding that will lay us the foundation for the next few weeks. I pray within the next few weeks that we would all grow to know even more intimately the presence and the power through the Holy Spirit. And what that means and what that entails for the believer. So let's begin in John 14 with verse 16. Now these are the words, though, of Jesus as he's comforting his disciples. This is just before Jesus is ready to ascend off to heaven and and be away. And so he's giving them words of comfort, like you're not going to be left by yourself. And so these are those words. In John 14, 16, Jesus said, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. I want you to notice something there, and it's the word forever. Don't miss it. It it was not, I'm going to send you this helper or this counselor, and he's going to come visit you every now and then. It was not he's going to just kind of show up for a bit and help you out through this moment. It's this counselor, the Holy Spirit, will be with you forever, which entails us in the year 20. 17 and beyond so who's the counselor look at verse 17 the first part of it says the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him him refers to the holy spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him now that may be where many of you are today possibly, skeptical because you don't understand. Maybe you, you've never seen him, you, you, you don't know him, or, or you don't understand. You can't see him, he's a ghost and therefore maybe you don't accept him or you're just like, I'm not sure if I really understand it and so I just really won't engage with the Holy Spirit. And then look at the second part of verse 17 which is, uh, Jesus goes on to say, but you know him for he lives with you. And now here's the promise, his promise is that he'll be in you. Now for some of us, we're like, oh my goodness, that's even more freaky. You mean i got this ghost living inside of me? Hang with us. We're going to get an understanding of that over the four weeks. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, you know him and he'll be in you and he'll be with you. If you are a believer, if you have given your life over to Christ, you receive Christ at baptism, you have the Holy Spirit. He lives in you and he will be with you. And Jesus says not for part time, not just for a visit, but forever. 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 I want you to notice first a few things. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it. And sometimes people will say, well, it's just leading me to do something. Jesus refers to Holy Spirit as Him. It's the third person of God in the Trinity. Very literally, it's God in spirit form. And that Spirit, Jesus refers to as Him. When you read about the Holy Spirit in Scripture, you find that you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit, that you can actually break the heart of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit as God in spirit form then has emotions. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit loves you, and Jesus is going to say, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to send the Spirit to be within you. And He calls Him a counselor, a counselor. So let me talk about that word counselor for a moment which comes from the Greek word perakalitos, or the root word perakalit, It comes from two words, para, which means to come alongside of, like a paralegal to come alongside in a legal matter, or a para church, not a church, but an organization that comes alongside the church to help out the church. And so the Holy Spirit is a para to come alongside. But then kletos comes from the Greek word kalo, which means called. Very literally, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is called alongside of to be inside the believer of Jesus. And so we have this counselor who comes alongside us to live inside of us to guide us to counsel. So who is the Paracletos? Literally, the word translated is intercessor. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's the one who intercedes and prays for you. When you're going, God, I don't know what to say to you. God, I got stressed in my life. God, I'm overwhelmed. God, I'm brokenhearted. God, I'm sad. We have the Holy Spirit, the intercessor, who goes to God the Father and says, let me communicate on on your behalf for you. To me, that's so encouraging. I don't know if you've been in a spot where I've been, but I, I've struggled many times in a prayer, going, "God, I, I know I'm supposed to be praying. I'm, I'm here, God. You and me, we're we're together. God, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to talk about you with you right now. God, I have some fleeting thoughts, and then I chase squirrels and everything else. And oh yeah, God, you and I are talking." And the Holy Spirit's doing his work. He's coming alongside an interceding force. The Holy Spirit is our advocate before God. He's your comforter. He's your helper. He's your parakletos, God in spirit form, who is called to come alongside you and I or inside of you to be your comforter, to be your counselor, to be your intercessor, to be your helper, very literally to be your friend on the journey of life. Now, when you think about the choice between Jesus and flesh, or the Holy Spirit, my first thought is, I don't know about you, but I'm like, man, that'd be really cool to take Jesus with me. It'd be really cool to walk through life with Jesus in bodily form. Imagine you're walking along in physical form on the earth today, and could you imagine Jesus walking alongside of you on earth in physical form? You think about it, you get a headache, you're like, Jesus, I got a headache, poof, headache's gone. Thank you, Jesus. You're a really good friend. I'm glad you did that. Could you imagine? Your dog gets run, run over and killed by a car. You're like, Jesus, Fido's dead. No problem. Wake up, Fido, and Fido runs off and barks. It's your cat. Jesus, my cat just died. Jesus said, let's have a funeral. Let's bury that thing. <laughs> Sorry to you cat lovers. You're hungry, and you pull out your lunch. And you got a peanut butter jelly sandwich and a bunch of Cheetos and all your friends are hanging out and saying, we're hungry. Jesus, hey, can you help me here? Boom, lots of Cheetos and lots of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I mean, you start thinking about it. If Jesus is with you, Jesus is in flesh. Hey, Jesus, my wife is not speaking so kind to me. Can you take care of that? Yeah, hey, put on your nice hat now. Oh, wow, she's really nice. Hey, my husband's been awful difficult lately. Jesus, can you help me here? Yeah, let me straighten him up and go take care of that. And sometimes we think that way, what would it be like to have Jesus walking right alongside of me, Jesus in flesh? That seems like the best thing ever, but Jesus is going to show us that there's actually something that is better for us than him being in the flesh. It's an amazing promise, and he says it this way in John 16, 7. he says, but I tell you the truth, it is good That I'm going away, unless I go, the counselor, that's the parakolitos, the helper, the intercessor, the counselor, the advocate, the Comfort, the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. He actually says, it's better for you that I leave and you have the Holy Spirit with you. It's actually better. Jesus says, I'm not here, but instead the Holy Spirit comes who will dwell within you and will never leave you, forsake you. God's presence is amazing because here's the cool thing. If I have Jesus in physical form with me when I'm at the mall or I'm at the store, he's with me and he's not with you. But here's the cool thing. You have the Holy Spirit. When you're at the store and I'm at the store, he's with both of us. When you're at work and I'm at work, he's with you and he's with me. But Jesus in physical form can only be in one location at one time, but the Holy Spirit can be around this world and is around this world because He lives inside of every single Christian. What does the Holy Spirit do? This week I want to look at what the Holy Spirit does within a believer. Then... Next week, I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit to equip you to live a, a supernatural life in a, in a very natural world. The Holy Spirit—he gives you spiritual gifts. He gives the gift of faith, the gift of healing, gift of prophecy, gift of wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives you spiritual fruit. Whenever the world is going crazy around us, you can still have the fruit of the Spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control because of the power of what the Spirit does. When you look today at Christians though around the world, what do you often see? Many times I think we see believers in Jesus, but people who look no different than the rest of the world. And I must ask myself the question, why is that? Why is it that the world and the church look so similar? Why is it that we still are bound in the prison of, of sins as, as many are entrapped of. Why is it you see Christians whose who prayers lives are, are basically flat? Why is it we see people who are afraid and struggling and gripped with fear and worry and anxiety? When we believe in Jesus, yet there's not the demonstration of the power of Jesus in our life. Why is that? I think it's because many people today are living what I would call a spirit-less life. Living a life that that the Spirit's really not in control, that we're we're not connected with the Spirit. See, God wants His children to have a Spirit-filled life, a Spirit-empowered life, a Spirit-led, Spirit-equipped life of victory that pleases God the Father. But many times, that's not how we operate. We accept Jesus as Savior, and then we don't know about the Spirit. Why does it happen that people live a Spirit-less life? I think there's many reasons, but let me just address two that I think kind of Overall covers most of the reasons. One is this: if you're taking notes, you probably want to write some of this down, some people aren't even aware of the Holy Spirit. Some are just not aware. Many of you may say, "I heard of the Holy Spirit, but I really don't know what He does. You know, it's kind of like when I was a kid and I was freaked out, some of you walked through the same thing, or you've been to church here and you've heard me talk about the Holy Spirit, like I've heard of that, but you don't know what He does. In Acts 19, there's a really interesting story that actually relates to that. Here's what the scripture says. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and ride to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, that's believers in Jesus, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Obviously, these people were not at Pentecost when the Spirit came to them, or when the Spirit came, they were baptized by John the Baptist. If you read on, he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So it's not unusual for people to not know of or be unaware or have a lack of understanding. We heard about Jesus. They're saying, we knew about John the Baptist. But they're saying, who's this Holy Spirit? We, we don't know anything about him. And there are many of you in this room maybe are in a very similar space. You're like, I've heard about him, but I don't really know what you're talking about, Brian. Uh, we've heard about him, but, but is that it? Or, or who is this Holy Spirit? I don't understand anything about him. There's a whole other world of power that is available to believers through God the Holy Spirit. A, a lot of us just don't know about him. It- it's kind of like traveling on a plane. Now, I'm not a world traveler, so I haven't had this experience that I want to share with you, but I- I've talked with people who have, and some of you are going to right away recognize and know what I'm talking about. When I go on a plane trip, I go on a plane, and I always turn to the right. There are some people who get on a plane, and they turn to the left. They get to go on the other side of the curtain and be up towards the front in what's known as first-class seating. Some of you understand what that is like. There's, there's two types of people. There's us common folks who we get the cheapest ticket possible, and we turn to the right, and we go to the back. There's some of you who travel a bunch, and you say, you know, I've traveled so much, they even bumped me up to first class, and so you get a chance to go on the other side of the curtain. Now, I've never been on the other side of the curtain. I, I peek sometimes. Again, I'm like, man, what does that look like? I, I've looked at prices online and thought, one day, oh, no, I'm not paying that kind of price. And some of you have been there, and you understand what it's like. I mean, I'm always in the back in the cheap seats where I have to sit like this, you know, with my knees up, and somebody else has their knees in my back as I'm trying to sleep. I'm in the back side where maybe they'll come along and say, you want some peanuts? And you want a Coke? Yeah, and they crack the Coke open and give me like a sip of it and share it with three other people. Some of you sit in the front seat. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you understand. Some of you all sit in the front seats, and you you don't know you get peanuts. You're like, can I have a steak? Sure, we'll bring you a steak. <laughs> can I have a drink? Yeah, we'll bring that in a glass for you. What kind of drink do you want? Do you want it spiked? Do you want it just regular? What do you, how many drinks do you want? And they'll keep bringing over and over. Some of you sat on the front seats where it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm tired. Good, let's lounge that thing out to a bed. We'll bring you a blanket. Want some booties? to go with that. You need a pillow. What else do you need? See, in the front, they call you sir or ma'am. In the back, they're like, sit down and shut up and just take what we're giving you. (laughs) Now, one day I'm going to ride in the front. (laughs) It's going to happen. I might peek in the behind and back and go, ah, you all have fun back there. See, if you're traveling long distance, you understand some of that stuff. Here's the thing, Christians all the world are going through life without his power, without his victory, without his strength. And on the other side, there's a spiritual power from God in heaven that is greater than you and I could ever imagine. There's kind of a, just a curtain in between and all you gotta do is get on the other side and say, well, who's this Holy Spirit? The nice thing is, it's not any more expensive for you or me because Jesus already paid the price. And because he paid the price The Holy Spirit's available to each and every one of us. He will fill you. He will direct you. He will comfort you. He will guide you. He will counsel you. He'll convict you. He'll empower you. He's available to all. So many people are living a spiritless life because they are unaware of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why are so many people living that life? Simply because they're just unaware. Maybe today you're in that seat and you're going, I'm unaware. Stay on the journey with us for four weeks. Stay on the journey. Make a commitment during the month of June. I understand it's summertime, but you know what? Say, this summer, I want to grow. This summer, I'm going to come to know who the Holy Spirit is so I can have this power that, that Brian's talking about. So stay on the journey with us and say, all right, God, I want to learn about the Spirit. And God, I want to embrace the Spirit as much as I possibly can through your power. Secondly, if you're taking notes, some people simply are resisting the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have a spirit-less life. That, that would probably be many of us in this room. The Holy Spirit has prompted you. If you're a believer, He's led you to do something. You kind of said, "Eh, I don't really want to do that." I, I I hear you, but I'm not really sure. Many of you have been going about, and, and you're about to do something that's not right, and the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, "Don't do that. It's going to mess up your life." And you're like, "Yeah, but it sounds fun," or "Yeah, but it feels good." And so I'm going to go ahead and just do that anyway. So you push the spirit away, and sometimes the spirit prompts you to do something good, to give or to bless someone else. And you push that away and say, well, I don't want to do that either, because it's going to take some extra time or some extra effort. And so sometimes the spirit's saying, don't do this. And you're like, yeah, but I want to. Or the spirit's saying, well, I want you to do this. And you're like, yeah, but that's going inter- to it- mess up my life. And so I don't want to do that. You have resisted the spirit for so long that your heart has become hardened to the gentle promptings of the spirit. And you're like, I don't even know if he prompts me. I don't even know what he's been saying to me li- lately. Stephen, a New Testament, a very young and courageous and bold believer, was given, given the Sanhedrin, the religious people. He was giving them a great chewing out right before they stoned him to death. And this is what he said in Acts 7.51. He said, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. I mean, in that language, it was a big cut down. Saying, you guys are a bunch of jerks and you're not listening at all. Then he says, you're just like your father's. You always do what? You always resist the Holy Spirit. And I say, possibly, in this room today, there are some people today, you resist because you're just like your parents. Because you've learned what you've learned from mom and dad, and why not put a line in the sand and say, it's time to stop resisting, and I'm going to have my walk with Jesus. And I'm going to embrace Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to start doing some things differently. Because just because mom resisted or dad resisted or I wasn't educated or I didn't understand, doesn't mean that life can't change now. Some of you say, I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit really prompts me or moves me or even speaks me. It could be that you've resisted the Holy Spirit so so often that your hearts have just become hard. I've learned through failures to try not to resist when I feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting me. I can't say I always do it right by no means. I've been asked many times, Brian, how do you know if it's the Holy Spirit prompting you if it's just your own thoughts? Well, for surely to measure against Scripture... If it aligns with Scripture, then I know it's the Spirit speaking to me, but because I'm selfish in nature, what I tend to think of, well, if this is benefiting me, I tend to think it's probably my own thoughts. If this is going to take care of me, myself, and I, that's probably my own thoughts. If there's something that doesn't benefit me, it benefits others, it might bring glory to God. So I just assume, you know, that's probably the Holy Spirit that's nudging me. Holy Spirit's telling me to do that. If I'm being convicted not to do something that I know is really wrong, I assume that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Brian, you're gonna make this choice. No, don't make that choice. That's probably the Holy Spirit. If I'm feeling led to do something for somebody and it's a good thing, and I think, man, God, do you want me to do that? I'm not sure. Does he want me to do that? Do I not? When I listen to that voice, then I say, you know, it's time to do that. I assume that's the Holy Spirit. I mean, what's the worst it be? If I assume it's the Holy Spirit and it wasn't the Holy Spirit, then I just did something good, and somebody was blessed. See, if it's a blessing to others, then just assume that, and the Spirit then can do ministering and some work unto others. Let me share with you an example of this that's taking place in our church that I want you to be aware of and draw in on. My wife... Brianna and Kelly Hughes and Nancy Horn are organizing what's going on with this ladies' Bible study. And some of you may not be aware. The three of them at different times came to me in individual conversations before they ever talked to each other and said, I'm thinking we need to do something with the women's for some Bible study. we got to get something going. And so those three different conversations were taking place, and I'm like, God, are you trying to tell me something? It takes three women to come and tell me for me to wake up. That's the moral of the story. I finally said, why don't you three ladies get together and start talking? And so they got together and started talking and started praying and saying, what do we need to do? Well, we need, we need to do something. Let's get a Bible study organized for the ladies. Haven't had one in a little while. And so they were targeting this fall, fall 2017. And they were looking at some different opportunities of Bible studies. And one day I come home, my wife said, Brian, I don't think we need to wait till the fall. I so why is that? Well, I just think that we, we didn't do this now. And I said, well, I don't know. I said, maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Why don't you call Nancy and Kelly and you three get down, sit down and talk again? And so they got together and they talked and they prayed and they researched a little bit and they made a decision and said, God's moving us to move now not wait to the fall. And so they put together the Bible study and started organizing that. And I gotta get all, give all credit to God and I know they would get all credit to God too because I was thinking... If we had 20, 25 women from our church sign up, maybe 30, that would be tremendous. As of this morning, I checked the sign up. There are 63 of you ladies who have signed up to be part of this Bible study. Yeah, 63 ladies. I've been in ministry for over 20 years. I don't know of a Bible study I've ever seen where 63 women, of church that I've been part of, have signed up. I don't know if there's been an event. Maybe one time we had like a Christmas tea or something like that where maybe we had a little bit more than 60, but there's 63 women and we still have another week to go. So if you haven't signed up, you could sign up today or sign up this week or even because it starts on Monday, of June 12th, and they're like, oh my goodness, how are we going to minister all these women? And God's blessing that, and I'm excited to go, oh my goodness, what's going to happen after these ladies engage in God's Word for six weeks very intently on the topic that they're going to cover? Sometimes it's just a little nudge of the Spirit, and all of a sudden God says, now, i got this all planned out. Here it is. You've, you've obeyed and you followed. I believe God's working in those three ladies as they're trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you not to do something, and you respond with, oh, but I want to do this. The Holy Spirit prompts you to do something. And you say, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And you resist the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit, and your heart becomes hardened. Why are so many people today living a spiritless life? Because some are just not aware. Others have become skilled at resisting the Holy Spirit. And so for the next few minutes, I want to talk about the internal working of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand how he can minister to you if you say, you know what? No longer do I resist. I want you to understand, if if you don't know much about the Spirit, okay, I've at least grabbed those three truths about the Spirit, and if He does that for me, that I'll be tremendous. And so here's how He works, or how He ministers. One, He will comfort you. The Holy Spirit is called a comforter and he'll comfort you when you're hurting. Here's what the scripture says in John 14, 16. Jesus said, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. This is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. What's amazing me is there are those of you in this room today who are going through a very difficult time right now. And I can promise you, that many of you, at this very moment, you may be sensing some comfort from the Holy Spirit because you're going, God, I, I want your Spirit to work in my life. And just a simple prayer like that, you're going, I feel some peace in here today. You can sense it right here. You know that the presence of the Holy Spirit is present in this place because where His people gather, the Spirit is. And even though you're hurting, you sense that comfort. You can feel that. He can comfort you with a peace that goes beyond any kind of human understanding. It's the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. When my dad died suddenly nine years ago of a massive heart attack, I experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It hurt. But I was not destroyed or distraught. I had my times of sharing tears, and I still have some every now and then. But the Spirit comforts and comes right along and says, yep, your heart has been broken, but brings comfort and says, I've got great plans for you, Brian. You just keep on going. Your dad was great, but he comes along, and pats me on the back, that comforts me in times when maybe my heart's broken or sorrow of missing my father. He will do that for you take you through to hardships and trials and difficulties that when you grab onto him, he'll comfort you even in the midst of the difficulties. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is he'll counsel you. He'll counsel you. He is your counselor or your guide. You don't know what to do, and he can direct you. Scripture says it in this way in John 16, but he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide. Another word for guide is counsel you in all truth. If you've ever been to any kind of counseling session, And you know what it's like to go to the counselor's office and sit down in a chair and share some things around your mind and let them then speak into your life. If you've ever been through that process, you know that that can be so freeing and so helpful to have somebody else to talk through challenges of life and things you're walking through when you don't know what to do. So you just start praying, and the Holy Spirit can give you direction. He can give you wisdom. He can give you discernment. What do I do in this situation or that situation? What do I do with my children? What do I do in this work situation? What do I do in my marriage? When you start seeking the counselor, the Holy Spirit, He can guide you in that. It's kind of like those who are on television, news shows, or sport anchors. They wear an earpiece. You've probably seen a little wire coming down the back of their ear. They wear this earpiece and somebody is talking in their ear constantly. Somebody's letting them know what's coming up next. The producer will let them know what's going on. This story's next. Now we're gonna cover this story next. And the producer will talk in their ear and he'll say something like 20 seconds into co- until commercial. And so as they're talking, they know I gotta wrap the story up. And they'll say, okay, five, four, three, two, one. Boom, it goes to commercial. And everybody on set relaxes And then when it's about time to come back on, that producer comes back in their ears. We're back on in 30 seconds. Take your places. Sit up straight. Put your smile on your face. Get ready. Oh, five, four, three, two, one. We're live. Constantly someone's talking in their ear. It's a producer. We have somebody who is constantly talking in our ear. His name's the Holy Spirit. If we're willing to listen, if we're willing to not resist, if we're willing, then he will counsel. That's how God works in our life those who are aware of the Spirit's presence and voice, you can go through a day knowing that the Spirit is with you. The Spirit will prompt. He'll say, reach out to that person. Pick up the phone and make that phone call. Go offer to pray with somebody. Share some resources with that person. Take the time to say to somebody, hey, you seem like you're hurting. Do you need someone to listen? The Spirit will prompt you with those kinds of things, and you'll be amazed how God will start to do a work in your life when you listen to the promptings of the Spirit. It's a constant awareness that the Spirit's guiding you. It's a Spirit-filled life. It's not walking by sight. It's walking by faith that the Holy Spirit is with you and guiding you because He is the counselor. And the third thing is He'll convict you. This is maybe the one we don't like so much because we tend to, in our American culture, be like, nope. I'm living life on my own. I'm doing my own thing. Don't anybody tell me what's right or wrong. And you can see that today in our culture, especially when you're on social media. You speak up to somebody and you say, I'm not sure if you should have said that way. And they just rip you to pieces. Because none of us like to have somebody speak into our lives. Even if a friend kindly comes to you and says, can I sit down? I've got to talk to you about something and they want to bring to you maybe a a sin spot or an air spot, and you're like, we have a hard time receiving that. So this one's maybe a little bit harder to receive, but when we receive it, there's great benefit to it. John 16, 8, when the Spirit comes, He'll convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Even today, there are those of you who are being convicted by the Spirit of God. If I just stop and ask you for a moment just to... Just ask the question. Ask the question in your own mind, in a spirit of prayer. God, what do you want to convict me of? Go ahead, ask it in your own head. God, what do you want to convict me of? God, what in my life is not honoring you right now? You probably have some things coming to your mind right now. You have some thoughts, without me even mentioning an example... I don't even have to share an example. And you have some thoughts come to your life that you're going, you know what? I I shouldn't be doing that. You know what? I said this. I shouldn't have said that. You know what? I've been participating in, and I should not be participating in. And you have those thoughts come to your mind. There may be something in your life that's not as it should be, and all of a sudden you're feeling this sense of I shouldn't be doing that. I haven't even mentioned it. That is the presence of the Holy Spirit convicting you. That's the Holy Spirit doing a work inside of you right now in this room going this needs to get out of your life. There are others of you that are being drawn to God right now. You're in this room today and you maybe you don't even know why. Maybe you're not a church person and someone drug you and said, "Hey, come to church." You check out my church, or maybe you're just trying to get back into it. Maybe you're not a big into Bible person, but right now God's drawing. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of your need for God. Some of you just have hard hard hearts and you just play church, and right now God's going, are you open to me? Are you open to righteousness? And he's convicting you that maybe you've been playing church or you had your mind closed to God. It's because the Holy Spirit is here, and, and you don't have a choice. You have to either surrender to him or you can fight him off. And the Spirit's working in your life right this very second. Let me warn you, don't fight Him for long. Because because your heart, you don't want it to grow hard to the gentle and loving voice of God, the wooing Spirit of God that draws you to Himself when He's telling you right now, I love you. When he's telling you right now, it's okay. When he's telling you right now, surrender to me and accept me, and and I want to walk with you in this journey of life. I want to be the comforter. I want to be your counselor. God the Father loves you so much that he sent God the Son, Jesus. He sent his Son who lived a sinless life, who died and rose again so you could know him, be empowered by his Holy Spirit to live a life that would honor and please God. And today you're being drawn to him right here in this room. Because the Holy Spirit's doing that kind of work in you. But are you going to resist? He's the comforter and He's the counselor and He brings conviction. Do you know Him? Do you know the Spirit? Are, are you resisting Him? Today's a day to humble yourself and receive Him. Today's a day to humble yourself and say, Lord, I've resisted long enough. Today's a day to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need to get to know You. Holy Spirit, I need to get to know you. I'm going to commit to go on this journey together. Today could be a day to humble yourself and receive him as Savior. I love the sermon that was preached in Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up, and he's, it's the first sermon that's being preached, and he's preaching to thousands of people, and he stands before him and says, this is what you did to Jesus. You put him on a cross. You killed him, but he came back to life. He came back to life basically for you. And he he just nails the people with what reality is. And the people say, well, Peter, what must we do? They're convicted. They're convicted of their sin. And they say, what must we do? And Peter replied, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you need to do that today? Is today a day that you go, you know what? God, i got to let go. God, I need to confess. God, I need to repent. God, I need to give my life to you and give my life to you and be, receive Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and be baptized. We're prepared to do that with you today. As we move into a time of communion to remember all that God has done for us, I want to invite you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, we'd help you on that journey. I'll meet you at the back of the room by the cross and guide you in some next steps, help you in that kind of conversation to help you understand what it means to accept Jesus as Savior. Bow your heads with me. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit do a work that goes beyond any words of explanation that I have. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be present. We know He's present. We acknowledge Him. We ask Him to do a work in our hearts that only you could do. Father, I, I want to pray for those maybe in this room that are here and experiencing a spirit-less life because, just because they don't know. Just don't know what they have in, in the spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would take the veil off of our eyes and that you would open up our hearts and our minds to, to receive the power of your spirit. Lord, I, I want to pray against hearts that are resisting resisting because we don't want to do it according to what the Spirit is prompting. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and break our hearts if we walk in resistance so that we could receive the comfort and the counsel and the conviction and the guidance and the other many benefits we're going to discover about what it means to walk in the Spirit. And Lord, I want to pray specifically for, for the person or people in this room that need to receive Jesus as Savior, need to do what Peter said when he said, repent and be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray maybe that would take place in this room today.